Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. An official broadcast partner of the University of Louisville, WLCL Sellersburg is 93.9 The Ville. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Mark Lieberman. Welcome into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis and Mark Lieberman here on a Thursday. Coach, how is everything going? You doing all right? I'm doing great. What about you? I'm uh, doing wonderful. This is, uh, this is a fun time of year. Uh, I would imagine for you, you are like intently watching all kinds of basketball. Like at, at all levels, <laughs> calling all of these uh, you know, A-Sun games with Bellarmine and uh, doing all of this with us. You are um, you're consuming at many, many levels, aren't you? I am. That was a lot of fun last night, the uh, the Bellarmine-Stetson game. Obviously not the result that Coach Davenport wanted, but um, just an offensive just display. Everybody was just shooting and scoring. Not a lot of defense, so kind of similar to what we saw in the, uh, in the Louisville game. Yeah, that's funny that you said that because when you started, you were like, it's quite an offensive show. And I was like, is he talking about the Louisville-Syracuse <laughs> game or is he talking about – uh, the uh, th- that Bellarmine Stetson game. Uh, very quickly before we we get to the uh, the Louisville Syracuse game, which will obviously take up uh, a, a heavy dose of uh, of this show. I remember reading about uh, how Mummy and Mike Leach and those guys coming up at the air raid and everything, uh, at least in part because kind of at the level of football they were at, they couldn't just do traditional stuff. They had to get creative. They had to get weird. They had to do things. Uh, just to sort of uh, make whatever they had work. Do you see some of that uh, when you're calling these ASUN games and things like that? Where you're like, man, they really do some weird or some some quirky stuff to try and just maximize what it is they've got their hands on. Offensively, you you see it when, but but honestly, some of these teams that they're extremely talented, like Stetson, and they you know Donnie Jones is the head coach. He was an assistant under Billy Donovan, um, and Billy would. Donovan would tell you himself he'd rather lose 99-98 than win 54-53. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the offensive ingenuity um, was carried over. A lot of good actions. Obviously, Bellerman coming out of timeouts, they're just tremendous. And it, it's fun to watch it just close up and be able to dissect that kind of stuff. But it, it, it was, it's at any level in college basketball, it's, it's you know, the – even at the the so-called low majors, I mean, they're they they've got talented guys. They have a guards, uh, you know, Svensson, Stefan Svensson, who could play at any level, and he's been there four years. But he he could play at a high major level. So, you know, the disparity obviously in football it might be a little bit different, but a lot of these guys are, are so talented. As I was prepping for that, I was watching Stetson versus Central Arkansas and. There's a guard for Central Arkansas, and the the play-by-play announcer was just like, "Yep, uh, he probably won't be in a Central Arkansas uniform next year. Um, he's definitely hitting the portal with the numbers he's putting up." So, you know, that's just that's just how it is. Yeah, I don't think we can even really talk about it without that, uh, without talking about that as an angle uh, for that level of basketball. Often, uh, so. Uh, fascinating kind of uh, acknowledgement by everybody. We're just going to talk about this stuff out loud. Yeah, uh, he, now. he's really good. Yeah, he'll be playing. Uh, he'll be playing up next year. You know, he's uh, he's going from Double A to uh, to the to the show. Well, that unfortunately, I think for those places, that is how this works uh, often, and they've just got to do a good job trying to catch guys coming downward. 
uh, at the same time, right? Yeah, they understand that too. You know, I had the conversation with um, with Coach Jones um, mm-hmm. after the game as well. Yeah, he he understands that landscape. You know, you find those guys, those gems, um, and, and you just can't hold on to them. And Andy Tools, the head coach at Robert Morris, he talked about this years ago before there was just the portal and you could play right away. He was like, basically, I'm a farm system, and. Yeah. Now it's come to fruition completely where, yes, if guys are, are good enough, yeah, they're going to explore their options, which is the way it goes. Well, look, we had teams who explored their options last night on offense uh, because they were never at any point uh, forcefully uh, in any way hindered by anyone else uh, from exploring their options uh, on offense last night. And I, I think overall, this one, if you are a listener today, this might be one of the more challenging shows uh, depending on sort of where you sit uh, and your view of how things are going for Louisville basketball, there's something not here for all of you. <laughs> there's something that you're not going to like for quite literally every uh, constituency in the Louisville fandom, uh, Coach, uh, coming out of last night's game. If you hate this team and you hate these coaches, uh, there's stuff you saw last night uh, that you probably hate. And if you love these guys, there's probably still stuff you hate. Uh, that happened uh, last night uh, because there was there was an actual really like chalked stuffed full bag of mixed results mm-hmm. there were actually a lot of good things and a lot of bad things not the usual uh, where there are a couple of good things or there are just different degrees of bad things there were legit i thought encouraging cool good things and then some of the same persistent bad things and we're doing another show after a loss because of it. And it's everybody's been talking about the last play and as coaches and even as fans, and you understand this, it doesn't come down to just one play. You know, you can go through, there's a myriad of things that you look at. Even the first segment, Louisville goes up 9-2 and, you know, they're, they give up a second shot three. Then there's a ball screen, which has continued to be the kryptonite for this team about how they want to guard it. Again, another soft double. Mike James is late coming over. There's a foul. Now it's 13-11. And then you have a situation where they miss a shot. And in transition, you know, Syracuse gets a rebound. Copeland grabs it. He pitches ahead to Starling. And it was right off the Trey White miss. And he knocks down the three. And in that situation, you had Mike James, Curtis Williams, and Sky Clark all back. But it's not enough to be back. You have to be set. No one was pointing and talking. So no one picks up Starling, no one stops Copeland, and all of a sudden it's 16-11. So, yes, the last play of the game um, can be dissected, but those type of plays, the, you know, the, every play matters, and, and, and every play affects what happens at the end. And as coaches, you break down the film and you understand, well, that series, if we could have just matched up, got set, identify the shooter running his lane, stopped Copeland, well, they don't get that three, and it's a different it's a different basketball game. Yeah, and, and if you are one uh, who's saying to yourself, uh, they they almost won that game, they probably feel like you should have won that game and they did a lot of good things, uh, I should be hearing a lot of positives uh, today. That's usually, unfortunately, I think not how this works. One, because we're not into that sort of thing. We're trying to win the freaking game, not almost win the game. But two, uh, Mark, we've, uh, this has been true of no matter who the basketball coach is or who the football coach is or any of the other sports uh, that we do this. When you lose a one-score game, when you lose a one-possession game like this, we tend to drill down even further on some of the negatives because all you need is literally one of them to be flipped in a different direction, and it is a different game. And we could probably do a whole show of just those things, and Louisville is now coming home with a win and a winning streak. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're spot on. And I have a, a, a bunch of notes here. And, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, the mindset of, all right, throughout the game, look, they, they have a skilled offensive team. And these guys, and I, I'm not trying to be negative, but just the coach in me is just like if I was talking to the team today and I was talking to any team I've coached, we're going to focus on the things that we need to correct and how we need to get better. And, yeah, these guys have improved. They're sharing the ball. And that also starts with the fact that you have a point guard now that, you know, it's the equivalent of having a quarterback. 
And when you have someone like Tyler, players run faster. They they cut harder because they're expecting to get the basketball. And it's a lot different when you have a guy who's a facilitator. And they're not as deliberate offensively. So that helps. And look, they have guys that can break you down. They have guys that are skilled. But the the bottom line is, Mark, you got to get players to do the to do the things they don't like to do. And whether it's, you know, boxing out, whether it's getting to the floor, whether it's sprinting back, whether it's giving early help, whether it's stunting, whether it's swiping at the ball, whatever it is on the defensive end, that's that's the hard part. Because you really can pick, you know, these are high-level basketball players. They can break you down. They can get to the rim. They can create. And they're sharing the ball, and that's a positive. But I still don't see where these guys have bought in on the defensive end. And, and that's why, you know, they continue. To, you know, they have a 79-73 lead, and that, that dissipated. You know, so th- those type of things are where, you know, and if you want to just talk about that last play, you know, you look at it, and even though Caleb Glenn was able to even recover and get the block, his first three steps, and that's something we always focus on in transition defense, your first three steps is, is always a sprint. You know, he backpedals his first three steps, and you know how I feel about backpedaling. Mm-hmm. And he's late, so he's able to get the block, but then now you're at the mercy of the officials. Instead of if he sprints back, he's in front of that ball handler, and maybe he can draw a charge. Maybe he can veer the guy and, and have someone back tip. So there's so many things that go into it. And from a transition, you know, defensive standpoint, uh, there was just there was just so many egregious errors as far as that goes. So I want to back up and be a little big picturist and then like get this would be like one of those Phil Steele previews. Like we're going to go back to like when the earth's <laughs> crust was cooling and then eventually we'll work it up to today, Thursday. Uh, but we're going to have to get there first. I'm going to present an idea and uh, you tell me if this sh- this just sounds awfully ridiculously stupid. But well, it's your show, so I probably should <laughs> I'm giving you permission. <laughs> I am giving you uh, permission to put me in my place if, uh, if, enough. if you decide that I need it. And here's, <laughs> uh, here's what I'm going to suggest here. At the end of last year, when Kenny was, and we were kind of giving him a hard time for throwing the guys, the players seemingly under the bus uh, and talking about when I get my guys in here, uh, it, you know, it'll be a, a certain way and all that sort of thing. Uh, that in it, whether he was right or not at the time or should have been saying that or should say anything like that, I don't care one way or the other at this point, that he was kind of right about the the guys that he brought in, that it, it feels like with the exception of that period of time in which uh, they were doing the whatever it was they thought they were doing with Karan Davis, and it's pretty obvious that that pissed off a lot of people because the, the performance at DePaul and Arkansas State happened right there. Uh, in in the sort of the immediate aftermath. But basically, from the Miami game forward, I've been pleased with the mental willingness to just stay in a game. Even though they lost the, the majority of those games. They've only won two of them and lost, what, seven uh, of those games in the meantime. Mm-hmm. That, that I have felt like even that they have punched and punched back and punched and punched back and and stayed in games that they were behind. They have maintained leads when they've had a couple of them uh, at times. And while it's kind of silly to to overly praise that sort of thing, overall the attitude and the uh, the mental toughness part of it they're a lot different than they look like even earlier this year. Much less any time uh, last season. And I feel like it's okay to to call that out. They stayed in that game and had a chance to win it till the very end last night. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. You, I watch. I'm watching the bench. I watch body language. I watch after there's a there's a turnover, and you can just see guys if they're pounding or whatnot. And even when uh, there was an errant pass from Trey White to Sky Clark, he came over and they talked to each other. Yes, and, and that's a sign. That's a positive sign. You could see those guys. They're willing to compete, and they're not right. They're not giving in. And it, you, you know, even with the Clemson situation, you know, they're they're just they're going to continue to play. And last year it wasn't that. And so you're seeing these guys; they have opportunities to win these games. I've talked incessantly about you know just you know winning is 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 not normal. And, and I really believe: do they really expect to win when they're in these close games? Are they like, okay, we can get this done? Like, you know, you have to have that belief to get that, you know, that 
that game against Texas or that 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 game last night, you know, to find a way that, to to get that win, and and that doubt kind of creeps in because you haven't been here there before, and so as a coach, you say, hey, this is just like this situation or that situation, and sometimes you have to simulate that in practice, and you have to almost, you know beat it into them that, hey, this is what it takes. And special situations is one way when you're not winning is to do it over and over and over in a practice environment. But to your point, I, I, I see that. It's not like you're seeing a team that is is not enjoying playing with each other. And that's what I look for as well. And I see that they have joy playing with each other. It just seems that they just are not sure of what to do on the defensive end. Yeah, I did. I, I uh, Mark, I th- I totally agree with you. Like you watch them, and I did have the thought. I think she said it to Angela last night at one point. I was like, I wonder how often they've even practiced that <laughs> at the end of a game. You know, the, because the games are just not trolling. They've been so lopsided, and even the wins. You know, they've been in command. They have not had very many of these. Although you had Indiana and in Texas, and kind of a, a to a lesser extent, Indiana. Right. Those games, but they just haven't had many of these games. Certainly, haven't had many of them together, where you you know it becomes. Uh, magnified you know you're in these make or break situations very often they've played largely i think uh they lost this game mark way earlier in the year by not getting more of these moments when they needed them mm-hmm. uh, and to where now here's a situation where you're this uh, the the crucible here where the pressure is way up and they just haven't they haven't done it and and it's to say that like that's the reason so you can't be mad no that's the reason and i'm mad i'm mad that i know why they weren't ready for this because they they haven't been good enough up to this point uh, to to be prepared for the situations especially when we bragged about knowing how to bounce the ball off dudes out of bounds with practice footage earlier uh, and then badly badly mangle a situation in which you you got to get that you got to win the game right there you you just do some great action um, that last set, you have a step-up screen by Caleb Glenn. Syracuse was not fouling. They don't switch out. They switch out late. Sky Clark hits a tough shot, and then it's almost like they stopped because, okay, we tied the ball game up. And it's almost like Syracuse was like, all right. They didn't like get the ball in as fast as they needed to. They were still able to get down the floor. They're like, all right, well, there's still three seconds or four seconds to go, whatever it was, six seconds. And... and and it's amazing because like Louisville just almost stopped and and you know you're in that situation you got to have great floor balance you know you know that three's coming you send three guys you got to have a guy as a you know if that ball is tipped out everybody was diving in you don't want that anyway because if Sky Clark's shot is missed you want to have someone back so if it's tipped out you have another opportunity for a three and so all the guys were inside the circle and that just leads you to understand like. That's stuff that you, yeah, you want to work on that. Have a guy put his foot on the three-point line. That's something you always teach. Hey, late-game situations, a guy plants his foot on the three-point line, so he's in position to either get an offensive rebound or if it's scored, he's able to sprint back and, and set your defense and and draw guys in and, and, and so on. So, yeah, it looks like that situation was almost like they were surprised and then it led to, to what happened at the end. So, you know, regardless of the call, which was, you know, wrong, but okay. well, let's talk about that for just sure. a second. Uh, let's talk about that sequence, mm-hmm. starting with Sky Clark hitting that shot, which we should be celebrating. <laughs> we should be talking about uh, him just being cold as ice and nailing a shot that should have won them the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the fact that they did that repeatedly, kind of down the stretch, getting some pretty high pressure baskets. Uh, he hits that shot, and they. It was obvious. Syracuse may have had like a an index card scout for Louisville, and it was this. Uh, they can score, and if we run real fast, we'll score even more than they do. And they knew if he hits the shot, just get it in bounds and go. We will beat them back up floor, and they did. Mm-hmm. It, it just it was it, it was coming out of a timeout, right? So you're inbounding the ball, and you come up and you hit the shot, or mm-hmm. at least it was you know coming out of an inbound. Yeah, there was no reason timeout. not to mm-hmm. expect. If he hits the shot, freaking get ready. And they were all so like, I can't believe he made that, that they just threw the ball right over the top of him again. You know, you almost have to pull a Norman Dale from Hoosiers 
and one of the coaches has to say, hey, once that shot goes in, make sure we're getting back so they don't get a last-second um, buzzer beater. So, you know, it, it, it is exactly that. That's something you've got to cover all those type of situations. It's a great step-up screen, like I said, by Caleb Glenn. Sky Clark is able to, to, to get they, – they don't switch out. They just they switch out of convenience. They're not fouling. He hits the shot. And guys are like frozen in those in those situations where that's got to be drilled in too, and that's becomes that's repetition, um, and it goes back to like what we just said about expecting to win. If you expect to win, you, you hit that shot. You are all like your pants are on fire. It's an absolute sprint back, get back drills, and you're making sure that they're not getting anything other than a half court heave, and you're going to overtime, and you're gonna you know you have the the opportunity to win that. Uh- I'm sure you've seen some things in your life as a coach, as a head coach or an assistant coach. Uh, I I don't know what the point of giving referees the ability to go look at a play on replay is if they, if they can come out and do what they did last night. Because here's what I don't want. I don't ever want referees to aim for justice, right? Mm-hmm. Do not be uh, a – a judge, I want you to be an accountant. I want you to know exactly what the rules are, tell me exactly what happened, and what the call is. Don't try to like make both parties sort of happy with what you've done here. Because, Mark, there's yes, it's the case that had they not called goaltending, he most likely would have just put that put back back and they would have gotten the basket anyway. But that's not what happened. You called it, then you went to the monitor, and said... You saw something that did not happen. And I whatever else flows from that, I some heads should roll just for the fact that we all got gaslit into them being like, Yeah, we reviewed that. That was totally goaltending. I, I have a, a major issue with, with with that because I I truly believe that's you have the officials on the court making that. It almost has to be like the NFL. It has to go to New York. It has to go to, to the ACC headquarters. It should not be their decision because it, it you know it needs to be objective and and those guys don't want to maybe make that call. I think if you're going to go to the monitor, I think it should just be uh, uh, an official either um, upstairs or what have you. But I don't think the officials on the court need to make that because it, it first of all you, you know there's no it takes forever. But I really believe that that should be something that's de- that's that's decided by the officials that are not on the floor, by whether it's, uh, like I said, headquarters, what what have you. But it shouldn't be their call. Do you think that that was a situation where they anticipated it? No question. No yeah, question. And I hate that when a referee thinks something's about to happen and they want to be in position to make that sort of a super uh, important call. And then that just isn't what happened. And then we all, I think we both know, the one thing referees are not going to do is just sort of like own it right there in the moment. They are going to dig in, especially when the call really is in the favor of the home team anyway. Uh, they are going to stay dug in. Like as soon as that call got made when they went to the monitor, I knew they were not going to overturn that. TV Teddy's going to work again. All those yes, officials are going to work again. They might get reprimanded. They might get what, what have you. They might get called off a game, but they're still going to work. And they're going to protect each other. They're a fraternity just like anything else. They're going to take care of each other. And so that is not their call. If you're going to have a call like that, yes, I think they, it happens so much. And, and it's human error, and that's okay. That, you know, you anticipate it's, it, you know, it happens so fast. It's so bang-bang. It's tough. Even as a coach, you know, you can't tell if it hit the, if it hit the basket first or, or if you pinned it. It's tough. These guys are so athletic. Caleb Glenn, besides the fact that he was backpedaling, he still recovers, busts his butt to get there. It should be somebody else's decision. Take the the on the floor officials out of it, and then just play on. But you know that's you know, and it, it would have ended up as is a, as a possession arrow, and then Louisville has the ball. Texture says TV Teddy likes to pretend he's God. I think he thinks he's one step up uh, from God. <laughs> uh, TV, I've I've never seen someone uh, who just seems to relish being a putz. Have you seen the Public movie Malice? Movie. Yes. Okay. Do you remember Alec Baldwin scene mm-hmm. with the God complex? Yes. <laughs> that is that is the perfect, well said. Well uh, said. Yes. 
Yeah, he's almost like uh, fed by the evil, right? Like if you really object to whatever it is that he does, he like that makes him stronger. Uh, I'll tell you this: as coaches, in and throughout the game, as I was rewatching it last night and today, like even four minutes into the game, he's smiling, joking. Like we don't want that from our officials. Like we don't want that. We want you to be engaged. We want you to. We understand. You know, take it serious. You know, this is this is what we. You know, a lot of a lot of things are at stake here, and it's almost like his laissez-faire like type of attitude. It does not play well with me. All right, we go and go ahead here. We'll take a quick break here, and uh, when we come back, we can open up the phones, and we've got to talk about the actual elephant in the actual room, and that's uh, Mark. These guys can't defend a soul, and it's it made more sense when it was one symptom of a larger disease. But it's odd to watch them now start to get good at things and still make no progress on the defensive side. And we got to talk about how that's even possible. Uh, on the other side here, we'll take a quick break. On the drive on Night Time the Ville. Be right back. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. It's time to replace your heating and air system. We know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Mark Lieberman. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Mark Lieberman here on a Thursday. Louisville drops last night's uh, game to Syracuse, and it was legitimately a, a, heart, a gut-wrencher, a, a heartbreaker for them. Uh, I misspoke earlier that Sky Clark's shot tied the game. Uh, mm. He did not give them the lead, tied the game. Uh, it felt good enough to me that I felt like it gave them the lead. I was <laughs> wrong about that. But I think the point still stands uh, there. Uh, the point was you you pulled even with the shot uh, only to Im- just sort of stand there and watch it. And I, I feel like that was one of the few times we've really seen their inexperience in those kinds of moments as a team. Uh come back and, and bite them and cost them a game, not by getting bowled over by a bunch of easy things, but by one easy basket, because you're just not accomplished enough to have sort of played in these situations uh, nearly enough. And, Mark, everyone talking after the game so much uh, about transition defense and just overall defensively. This is yet another opponent for Louisville uh, that scores over 80 uh, it is a downright epidemic with this team uh, that teams get north of 80 uh, as soon as they get off the bus, uh, basically, at this point. I mean, even the win over Florida State, you give them 92 points. Uh, but, out, you know, Clemson was 70-64, but Clemson plays a, a relatively slow uh, kind of pace. But other than that, everyone's doing this. You play Louisville, you're going to get buckets. Uh, why are they? A, why are we simultaneously seeing them make some real progress on offense and be a, a team with an identity, and they, they, they do different things, and it's different guys on different nights and that sort of thing. And then when it comes to defense and transition defense, uh, it looks like they just met. Yeah, it. We, we talked about it earlier. You know, 
getting guys to play offensively and getting rhythm. You see guys get excited. When you're talking about the defensive end, you got to get guys to to have an absolute disposition that they're not tonight. You're not getting what you want. You would say that this team has gotten more unselfish offensively, right? I certainly would, yes. Right, I would agree with that. But what this team is not doing, they're not becoming an unselfish defensive team. And so that means that there's a lot of times where a guy is on the island, there's not early help, you don't see guys talking, you don't see them shrinking gaps. Every time there's a, a, you know, the the rule on, on ball screens is you don't let them reject it, you don't let it roll. And so the tags are late, meaning the guy coming over to take away the roller. They continue to soft trap those ball screens, which again is just perplexing to me because it just, it, you know, there's not a lot of activity on that one. And, and those plays, you know, that, 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 that gives up so many easy baskets. I mean, there was one play, um, and I'm, I'm, I believe it was the score was 79 um, 73. And. You had a situation where just Clark digs in into the post. And, you know, you have a six-point lead. This is where you just you have to dig in. You have to be communicating. And so Clark digs. There's a, there's a, there's a ball that goes in the post. And Curtis Williams is kind of standing near the free throw line. And when we talk about X outs or scrambles, it's the guy who's closer there, and he has to command the ball, and he's got to talk on that situation. And it's thrown back out. And you just see Sky Clark have to dig and turn around like a top and then close that back out to the shooter where Curtis Williams, he's a freshman, but just stands still. And that's his recovery. And then Sky Clark would rotate over to his man and so on. Those type of plays, we talk about being unselfish. You know, those are the things that just are glaring as I watch those games. And, you know, it's, you had another situation, 7167, and, uh, it was a big putback dunk by by Trey White. You know, Syracuse off one pass. You know, James, Mike James didn't have any ball pressure on Copeland. Sky Clark closes out. Um, there's a blow by by Mintz, and it's a foul. And it was off one pass. It's off early action. Like you get, you need to make them work. They they shouldn't s- score off just one pass. You want to make them have to earn it. You know, it's ball's got to be reversed. Use the shot clock and so on. So it's just been a consistent type of thing that. You know, just what what schematically, you know, do they want to do? And and I I can still still tell you I don't know. Like on the defensive end, and from a transition standpoint, we talked earlier that just they don't point, they don't talk, and they have to get set. And that's the biggest thing. And a lot of time, players, you know, they get sensitive. You haven't scored, but you know that it's got to be in your DNA that you get a stop. You got to have that that defensive DNA that we're going to stop the ball, we're going to sprint back, we're going to be in a stance, and we know what we're going to do on our ball screens. And on any ball screen, if you're off the ball, Mark, you've got to take two or three steps towards that screen to force skips and fades. And I talked about no rolls and and no uh, rejects, and they're just hitting the roller, and every single time, you know, there's a foul or there's, there's a layup, and that's just, that's unacceptable. 8150939 that's uh, the number if you'd like to get in here 3831939 for the UPS jobs text line we do have one uh texture who suggests that maybe what Louisville's experiencing in terms of defense is uh, something that's really epidemic kind of nationwide but i, I mark I, I don't agree with that I, I understand that like getting kids to play defense super not fun i get that uh, and, and not natural really for for any of them and it's obviously a lot less fun than the offensive end. Uh, but what we're, we're talking about is not like they generally don't like it. We're, this is not guys who just sort of checked out. Like There are glaring things that aren't being driven home here, especially on transition. And I just feel like every opponent Louisville plays now, you can see them. They're like, whatever is happening in this game, go. Just get running because they're not going to be able to defend us. And that's – it's – just seems like such an enormous part of, of coaching a team uh, to just go and look like you, you really don't spend time on it at all. Mm-hmm. It's like if I was the head coach, we would be like that. Yeah, the, these guys are so skilled offensively. These guys can create shots. They're becoming unselfish, but they're big-time offensive players. That's the job to get them to understand 
and, and that's to teach and to make sure they understand what what how to guard, what they have to do. With the athleticism you have with a Tyler, with a Sky Clark, with any of them, Mike James, go down the list. Their pickup point right away, as soon as one thing you drill, as soon as that ball goes through the basket, and you can do it, you can dummy it up, you can do five on O, but as soon as that ball goes through, you want to have somebody pick up the basketball because right away you want to make him not, you want to make him see and survey. That buys you half a second. Then you want to have four guys sprinting back and pushed up. So he sees a line of defense. Are they coming to trap? Are they, are they, you know, staying with their guy? Are they, jabbing are they doing all those type of things you, you have to work on it is it fun i think it is but like the and the players will buy into it because they know that you know you have to do that to win championships that that's part of it you know you've got to buy into that so it's got to be drilled constantly constantly in, in, in every situation from day one because you just don't see game in game out this team making a commitment on the end of the floor and that's what's going to happen like we just were going over, they have these leads and they allow, they can't get those one stop that they need. And, you know, it's frustrating for me to watch because yeah, I'd love to see them just make a decision, say, Hey, you know what? We are going to be the best switching team in this country. And we are just going to work on it every day. We're going to talk, touch and take, push guys out, take away the slips um, ball screens, we're going to switch out and be active. I think BHH is good enough to contain the ball. Gorgie, we did that when, when he played here, and he was able to block shots late. But then you, we talked about being unselfish. Then there's guys that are helping and giving, you know, protecting. You don't have to be Virginia, but you've got to make sure that if a guy is guarding the basketball mark, he knows that he can trust. If he gets beat, you know, great defensive plays happen when someone makes a mistake. Someone's going to clean that up and erase that. And I, I just don't see that. Uh, Mark, you mentioned uh, Brandon Hunley Hatfield. Can we just uh, take one minute uh, and truly um, appreciate and recognize uh, what I feel like is like the um, a guy where like I see what the hype was about with him uh, when he plays now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you and I did shows where I had you howling, uh, you know, just challenging him to draw a charge or take, you know, commit a charge, right? Just yes. random acts of aggression yes. is what I was kind of basically asking for. Uh, Mark, I get those now. And not only does this is like, I, I realize I'm seeing it. He realizes he's doing it. I, I, I love where he's at. I wish there were, I wish the whole team was like that, but I, I feel like I'm, it's at least worth evening out the praise with the criticisms from, from earlier. He is a bully and knows it and knows, especially when they play somebody who can't do anything about it, he goes for it. And I, hell yeah. Like, I love it. Uh, I, I, I do too. I, I think I would just love to see him just take that, that next step, you know, um, going back to like, just watching the Stetson um, Bellerman game last night and Bellerman was in foul trouble and you had six, two guards just battling and trying to front the post to keep it out of there. And the ball pressure was tremendous. You know, we would switch at times, and and I've done that wherever I've been, but Peyton Siva got switched on bigs a lot of times, and he knew it was a foot fight, not a fist fight. And he was just great with his feet to get around and move the guy two inches below the rim. I'd love to see that. Sometimes, you know, BHH is not a great shot blocker, but if he can front, and what by fronting also – if a guy does get beat, now you're there to give the early help, to attack a charge and those type of things. So, you know, I, like, you know, he hits the three early on. He's a good passer. Him and Tyler have a great synergy. You know, I, I really love the way he's playing right now. And I, I think it's almost like, I, you know, and again, I'm not there, but like I would just for the rest of the year, you have enough offensively right now. I mean, every practice should just be defensive oriented and just, hey, how can we how can we get on the same page? Because that's what you see. And you see those type of situations. Um, it was, again, I'll, I'll refer back to, to one other thing. It was 88, 87 Louisville, or excuse me, Syracuse, with 42 seconds to go. Another soft double with Curtis Williams and BHH with no pressure. And you have a situation where on the roll, 
Trey White tags the guy. And really, when you tag, you really just want to get arm across and be two places at once. But it wasn't his tag. It was Caleb Glenn's. But you can see that they're not talking to each other. Hmm. And that now it's thrown back to the lift. Trey White closes out, jumps at the shot fake, and Bell hits the three. And they go up 91-87. If you just have Caleb Glenn stay at home and say, this is my tag, this is my tag, and he stays, and he says, get out, get out, get out to Trey White, there's no three, and all of a sudden it's they get the ball back, and it's a one-point game, and they can come down and win that way. We have to figure out some way, well, not we, they, have to figure out some way to convince these guys that they'll get to score more if they play defense too. <laughs> Uh, instead of just like super simming through being on defense to getting the ball back, like actually trying to, you can create, you might even be able to create more uh, if you do that, because it, it certainly feels like not only are they skilled on the offensive end, there's no question. This team is filled with guys who have offensive oh, yeah. skill, no yep. doubt in my mind. And mine either his vision of a kind of an unselfish, uh, but, but amorphous kind of offense. It is, materializing they're they're reading and reacting and doing smart things uh, at times in the half court and they've got guys who have talent uh, and then they don't it would just be nice to bring that unselfishness back across half court with them you're allowed to do that if they can just you know 15 percent better on the defensive end they're gonna win some games yep and i know it's just it, it's it's frustrating because you, you know it and and good teams talk defensively because they're not worried about themselves and it's almost like you have these young guys so I get it you have Curtis Williams and Caleb Glenn who you know it's it's a lot to ask for it's very complicated with those type of things but I would work on it every day and you know when coaches talk about hey we had great practices leading up to it I'm not a big fan of that I want guys to be having crappy practices because you're spending so much time on details and being meticulous with you might spend an hour and five minutes on just how you're going to defend a dribble handoff, how you're going to blow it up, where your footwork is, how you're going to play the bottom foot and not allow a back cut, how the big is going to show out and swipe. And sometimes you have bad practices because guys aren't getting it. But then come game time, it's ingrained in their head. So, you know, when you hear, hey, we had a great practice, well, maybe you're not spending enough time on those type of things where you're just so detail-oriented because you said it, Mark, this group can score. I mean, if... If you just let them go and, and they're not as deliberate and they're playing faster, they're going to get in the 70s, 80s, um, game in, game out. But the other teams are, are doing the same, and, and you have to find a way to get stops. We always talk with Elliot Mattingly from Court Physical Therapy at this time every week. Elliot, how is everything going, buddy? You doing all right? Doing great. How are you guys? Doing uh, wonderful. Uh, this time of year, getting excited uh, about uh, college basketball, even though things aren't going great here uh, locally. I think it's going to be a super fun uh, tournament. Elliot, let's talk Super Bowl and some of the injuries uh, associated with this. You know, I know that there was talk uh, that uh, Joe Thune might be able to give it a try uh, in the AFC Championship game, didn't. Uh, and now the, the Chiefs are going ahead and just saying, uh, hey, this is not happening. Uh, we're, we're, he's not, you can just pretty much count on him uh, not playing. You know, that's almost a month uh, since uh, it happened, and he, he has not sort of found his way back into the lineup despite, I think, their, their real optimism that he'd be able to play in both the AFC Championship game and this one. Uh, are sometimes, is it hard for us to accept that injuries don't just keep our timeline sometimes? Well, there's that, and I think, you know, with him, that there was still a lot of lack of clarity on, on what exactly was wrong. Hmm. And I think, you know, that, I think that's where the, the real big picture is, is, you know, there's a big difference between, a, 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 like, let's just say, uh, a, a sprained ankle and a fractured ankle, you know. So if you, if you couldn't tell the difference between something that was broken or something that was sprained, you know that's that's going to change your timeline a ton. So just same thing with a small tear or a complete rupture, when you can't figure that out, which is crazy because they have all the technology in the world, but also shows you that MRIs and things like that are not perfect. But if if you don't if you can't figure that out, then your timelines are going to be skewed, and really it just goes based on clinical judgment. But when you have clinical judgment. And you do it the right way. It's not a like you can give a timeline. You know, people love to ask like, okay, like when can I return? And, you know, and, the, and we can do our best to guess, but we have to reassess each time and make the best clinical decision we can. And sometimes that that goes better, and sometimes in this case it goes worse because you know the the good news about this Super Bowl is that there's really not a lot of big injuries. Yeah. But can you imagine just being the guy on the sideline 
Like that's just that's just that's hard, and it's really hard to do. So you know that he did everything he could to come back. The cards just weren't on the table. Yeah, that, that's uh, it's funny. I think a lot of times we think of the injury time frames as like like the bell's going to go off, like you get to leave class when it happens. You know, like it's been yeah. three weeks. You know, they ring the bell, you can get back out there now. Like it's it's. It's not like that. Those are averages. That's normal. Everybody's different. And it feels silly to remind people of that, but I think sometimes uh, it is like that. Uh, I never get tired of talking about how funny it is that these guys are such big, uh, hilariously large and uh, muscle-bound athletic Adonises, all of them, uh, and can be slowed down by a toe, one of their toes uh, being a problem. But we're talking about a guy like George Kittle who is right at the, the nexus of huge and athletic. With tight ends, right, uh, and he's got an issue with the toe. Where is he most limited by that? Uh, as we're getting ready for the Super Bowl this weekend, because he's a big part of what they do on offense. You know, so I, they didn't give a lot of details, but anytime they talk about a toe injury, I just assume turf toe because that's so common, and that's obviously that's how it got its name, uh, just from that hyperextension of that of your big toe, and and it's painful. But where he's going to feel it is when he's driving through and blocking. You know, so we, when he's really leaning in and he's pushing and, and flexing that toe big time to, to make that move. Or if he's going through in that like initial acceleration or cut, that's probably where he's going to feel it. But I'm going to tell you, I don't expect to see any, any difference with George Kittle. He, he's just one of those guys that's like, yeah, this, this isn't affecting him. He'd be all right. You know, and, um, you know, the fact that he practiced this week already, um, I, I think we're going to see a full George Kittle, which is what we all want. You know, this is a great tight end battle, you know, honestly, oh, like, sure. dude, Two of the best out there, like an. Did she have a tight end? I hadn't heard about him. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> Is he a, a yeah. particularly noteworthy person for some reason? <laughs> I, I wasn't aware. Good line. Uh, yeah, of that. that. Hey, what That's, sorts uh, of uh, what sorts of magical uh, elixirs and such do they do for somebody who's trying to manage turf toe for one more game before the off season? You know, so are uh, that toe will get really stiff. So trying to make sure we can improve its range of motion because let's say your normal range of motion is about 80 degrees and then you're stiff to about 60. When you go through and you push off, like that's going to be painful and uncomfortable. So if you can improve that range of motion 20 degrees or so, like that's going to make a big difference. And, and it, you know, just like we would stretch somebody's shoulder or their knee, we can do mobilizations to work on somebody's toe. And, it's, you know, it's, it seems like the patient always feels weird, like oh, he's just grabbing my toe. But then after it's like that kind of feels – feels better it feels nice that you did that uh so and you know sometimes we got to touch some weird looking feet in, in our world but that's okay for the better of the patient that's wonderful uh the only other uh, <laughs> a noteworthy person sometimes we got to talk we got to touch some weird feet i love that god that's so good uh eric armstead same kind of thing is another one of these big athletic guys uh, dealing with both knee and foot uh kind of issues this one sounded more like uh, this is a guy who's just not a child anymore and at the end of a super long football season, uh, but I don't, it doesn't sound like it's going to slow him down very much at all. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the classic. He's banged up. You know, he's, he's been through it. He's probably, you know, he's, he's had his knee twisted a little bit, and now he has for his foot. It's kind of a resurgence of his plantar fasciitis he had last year. And, you know, that's I don't know if we've talked about that one very much, but that's a pretty common one that, most of us normal people in life have experienced or know about. But, um, you know, so that's something that if, if, let's say, he tweaked his knee and he changed the way he moved a little bit, that can increase and cause some of that irritation in your plantar fascia. And that's one that you can do a lot of treatment to make it feel good um, while you're moving. But as soon as you sit still at halftime, that's when it gets a little bit dicey. So I'll imagine they would, he would have a pretty good long extensive warm-up. And then at, at halftime, he's probably moving the whole time. He's not doing a lot of – sitting he, he is going through and he's getting continued to work on so that tissue stays nice and mobile and doesn't try to stiffen up on it because that's a really sharp pain in the bottom of your foot uh let me ask you two more very kind of quick questions not necessarily about a specific injury with a specific player or anything but you got two interesting things about the super bowl uh and there i guess maybe their possible relationship to injuries the first being uh, adrenaline and, and the fact that mm-hmm. this is different than anything any of these other guys have experienced even if it's not their first one it's the freaking super bowl and just like the mm-hmm. the issue with adrenaline at all if the, if it creates any kind of challenges uh, injury wise and then uh, a you get a longer than usual halftime uh, which means guys sit down 
cool down a lot more than than they do during a normal game when the halftime is quite a bit shorter. Any risks associated with sort of cooling kind of down a little or a lot more at halftime because it's longer uh, in playing in the second half? So either of those, adrenaline or the basically the opposite, getting to relax too much? Well, you know, the, the example I like to give when you're talking about adrenaline, like think of that, that your nervous system is heightened, like you're amped up. But think about some of the most premier events. What's the, what's the premier event in the Olympics? The 100-meter dash. Yeah. And think of these people. They are in their absolute best shape. They're, everything's firing on all cylinders, but there's always somebody who tends to have a hamstring injury at the Olympics. And, like, their nervous system is just so amped up, it can sometimes can increase your risk for some cramping or things like that. And that's why sometimes at the end of a game you'll see some of these people get cramps, even though, yeah, it's, it's kind of combined with some of their fatigue and exhaustion. But, man, the moment is, is high, and that, that does affect your nervous system and get, can increase your risk for some of that. So, so maybe we might see some of that. You know, there's not really any data on it, but just think once again. Same thing with people who do the Ironman. The Ironman is a it's a risky um, risky triathlon because it's so long. But these people are so well trained, but they're amped up, and a lot of times they cramp in the swim because they're nervous or excited or whatever it is, and that's where their risk comes from. So these big moments in life do come with a little bit of risk for some of these other issues. Now, I think they're all good enough athletes, and they have such a strong team that I don't think the extra length and halftime really does anything. It might get you out of your rhythm more than anything to affect your body. But that would be that'd be my I would be more amped up, you know, that that that's more of a a highlight to me to think about what could potentially cause some injury for these people. All right, Elliot, if folks want to find out uh, where they can go to uh, connect with you guys, get back to feeling better uh, about uh, how they're getting back to normal uh, at least, where can they go? Yeah, because I promise we won't judge your feet. You know, we're, you if go. we need to work on your toe, we're going to do it. We're going to take care of you. Uh, but 1-800-645-COURT. Check us out at court.com, any of our social media outlets. We'd love to see you. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you again next week, man. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Elliot Mattingly, Court uh, Physical Therapy there. Uh, managing the old adrenaline. You, this is an old hat for these guys uh, with this one, though, Mark. Rex like, Ryan. This Super Bowl, these, these people have done it. Rex Ryan really have enjoyed that last segment. <laughs> I saw he interviewed for the Cowboys defensive coordinator. I job. saw that as well. Um, yeah. He's a character. He is a character. Would I mean, just for the memes, it would be funny to see him back on the sideline again. Of course it would. He was uh, he was peeved he didn't get interviewed for, for a job, right? Wasn't there one job? I he, think I saw a report that he apparently interviewed for the Broncos last year or was like right, in right, talks right. with the Broncos yep. and that didn't materialize, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah, I think he brought it up on the show as well. Yeah. What do you do with guys in their adrenaline in these situations, Mark, when you're a coach? Nothing? I mean, I mean yeah, there, no matter what, there's nothing you could say. They're so hyped up. I mean, when yeah. we were playing for, for championships, you almost want them just uh, not, you know, some teams will jump up and down and get all excited. You want your guys almost to be relaxed and that kind of stuff. But really, you tell them, in, as far as basketball goes, so, you know, after the first tip, just bump into a cutter, check a guy, you know, get – do something physical that'll just kind of get knock out those kind of nerves and so on. So I was always big on, hey, you know, first shot goes up, you know, car crash, hit somebody, get a body, even if you get a foul call, it'll get it'll get you going. But yeah, it's 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 uh it's not easy, and, and certainly these guys will be revved to go on Sunday. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, here we'll come back. We'll open up the phones. Let you guys weigh in on last night and the ACC. Uh, putting the freaking A uh, in ACC uh, on the other side here as well. On the drive on a 10 the boat. Right back.